You're listening to the Fedora Chronicles Radio Show, number 30, and I'm Eric Render King Fisk. On the Fedora Chronicles Radio Show, number 30, Doug Plumbo and I talk to Stevie Valance, Emmy Award-winning voiceover actress, director, and voice coach. We met her at the 2010 New York Comic Con at a seminar she held for future voiceover actors like myself. You can find out more about Miss Valance's work by checking out her website, tunedin.ca. That's tunedin, T-O-O-N-E-D, dot C-A. The Vidal Chronicles Radio Show is brought to you by Retro Go-Go, home of various products that all have the vintage vibe. RetroGoGo.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Penman Hats, handcrafted fedoras made right here in the United States. PenmanHats.com. Be sure to check out our own products at Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles for t-shirts, coffee mugs, and various other items with our logo and slogans on them. And now here is our interview with Stevie Valance. I would like to thank Stevie Valance for speaking to us here at uh, New York Comic Con 2010. Um, just to let you know, um, so many people have said to me in the in the past couple of years um, that I have a face for radio and I should I should get into voice work. <laughs> so it's like one of the reasons. It's like I started the podcast because I got sick and tired of people telling me that. And um, I just want to first um, introduce everybody. Um, who are you and what do you do? And how do we know your voice? I am an Emmy Award-winning voiceover director, and that was from Madeline. And I also played the voice of Miss Clavel, the nun, 12 Little Girls, and Madeline, oh Madeline, that was her voice, and the dog, Genevieve. And I also voice directed it, and I also did all the music, and one day they mailed me an Emmy, and they literally mailed it to me, and... Uh, so then after that, I guess I thought, all right, I better do something. So I became a voice director. There are not many voice directors. It's a very, it's a small, it's a very niche career. Uh, and I've been doing it maybe f- since 95 professionally. Uh, came from an extensive, many, many years doing voices. Maybe, maybe, maybe 30 years now doing voices. And now I cast and I direct and I look for wonderfully outgoing uh, people. It's sort of a, a mascot personality who's attracted to this. People that aren't necessarily outgoing in real life. Um, like they would put on a costume and be incredibly outgoing. It's the same thing. You put sometimes shy people behind a mic and they're just incredibly gregarious. So I always meet really interesting people. People you wouldn't suspect. Do you feel that the microphone, not even the, the recording studio, but just the microphone is like a shield? That people feel protected behind? That's why they're able to open up? I think so. I think, you know, uh, as you know, I just did the workshop, and I encouraged people to not take their eyes off the copy. Not only does that put your head in a perfect position for reading so that you're not talking into the mic, but uh, it, it takes your, you don't have, your, their faces won't throw you. You won't be looking through the glass trying to connect with people. Um, and a lot of people don't realize they don't have to play to an audience. So, I think just the the visualization and imagining that you're in a forest or a a science lab puts people at ease because they really believe that that's where they are. So that's that sense of make-believe gives them a comfort zone. By the way, I have to tell you, when I directed Madeline, we had a really good uh, few episodes that were about a bunch of kids called the hats, or they were called the bad hats. So I think it's great that you're the fedora club. I think that's great. So you're the bad fedoras. Well, I have to say, I don't have girls, but I have two boys. And when they were younger, 
uh, we loved Madeline. So, unknowingly, I knew you back then. So it's All great right. to be able to well, know you now. There's a lot of now. little girls named Madeline now that are about twelve or thirteen that I've run into. Named the mums named them that. Yeah. So, can you just describe just for our audience what did we do this afternoon? Well, today I, for one hour, gave people at Comic-Con, I think there was a majority, there were quite about 50-50 who were actors in there, uh, a little bit of a taste of what it's like to act big as opposed to overact. And that's what's required for animation, is having a very strong sense of visualization and not being afraid to fall on your butt and make a fool of yourself. And so we had some volunteers up, and I got them to uh, play with animals and uh, a little bit of accents, uh, mostly using their imagination and coming up with laughs. That was the primary exercise we used, where we took a laugh, any old laugh, like, (laughs) and we started with a laugh, (laughs) and out of it we spoke. So it went like, (laughs) hi, my name's Stevie Valance. So that's what we played with, was that exercise a lot. And then you also had a lot of other characters as well, like you had... um like the, the chicken and the pirate. Yep, and that would be that the same same principle where instead of coming from a laugh, you might come from an animal sound. I'm a chicken. Right? And or I'm a crow. And you said that if you're doing an animal uh, or a person that has animal-like qualities, it's important to carry that. You don't just do it in the beginning or the end. You kind of carry that sound and that feeling throughout the uh, performance, like you might sprinkle that throughout. That's right. It's it's just a place for you to reside, to keep in character. You hear the laugh inside of you the whole time you're speaking, your whole time you're doing the dialogue and the words. You can hear that laugh inside of you. It keeps you locked in. That's the same principle as what the chickens say. Bark, bark, bark. It's still living within you when you're talking. Bark, bark, bark. My name's a chicken. I'm hearing bark, 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 while I say my name is a chicken. I hear that inside of myself. Mm-hmm. To, to break it down in an analytical way, which I hate to do. Right. What, um, what uh, if somebody listening to this, what would be the one thing you'd want them to take away about if they were thinking about getting into voice acting or were interested or just somehow wanted more information, what would you want them to take away? Uh, I think not thinking that it's about voice. First of all, not thinking. Stinking thinking. Um, and not trying to do a funny voice, but... You'd be surprised how many people use their own voice, and what I do is change their attitude, or I get them to think attitude as opposed to changing the pitch. And um, so it's just mainly just not thinking that it's about having a funny voice. It's about good acting. Good acting. Yeah. And if somebody wanted um, more information on how to maybe take some of your classes or more information on what what kind of services you provide, where can they go? Well... First of all, what I tell everybody to do, uh, my class or not, is to take an improv class. That's where I learned was at the Groundlings in L.A., and I know in New York City they must have some wonderful uh, classes here on improv. And that's to get you free of a script, to get you into a sense of spontaneous acting, um, coming up with sounds that aren't necessarily written in front of you on a script, to come off the script. Not words, not ma- not rewriting the script, because that would offend the playwright, but coming up with sounds or nuances uh, laughs, uh, burps, you know, whatever it is that comes organically as you're reading it, because you, 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 you 
you're not wanting to come from your head or mentalize it at all. I, I like to say that a lot of the brilliance lies within the very mistakes that we make. So if you can tell yourself, I ah, sign up for making mistakes, you're bound to hit areas that are, are brilliant as opposed to being afraid. You're restricting, you're holding back, you're afraid to take chances, you're afraid to risk. So isn't it more fearful not to risk than to risk is what I tell people if they hold back. Be willing to risk. Be willing to make a fool of yourself. That's great. What um, if? Oh, yeah, so my class. <laughs> yeah. I did want to tell you, next Sunday, October 17th, I'm teaching a professional-level workshop at the Edge Studios in Manhattan. And uh, there's 10 people only in the whole class. It's a state-of-the-art recording studio. And for five to six hours, we will really do intensive work on creating characters and what it takes to act big as opposed to overact. And the sessions are recorded, so you'll leave with... A tape. It's not a demo tape, but you'll leave with a CD of your work, and uh, so it'll reference. It'll you'll be able to reference it later when you make a, a demo tape. You'll be able to listen to your work and remember what great characters you came up with without thinking. And if people couldn't make it to this Sunday, what? Um, where can they find out information about future? Um, people can sign have? up um, on my on my newsletter, uh, or they can contact me and get on my database and I will allow I will announce to them when I'm coming to their area and that's website is tunedin.ca t-o-o-n-e-d-i-n.ca perfect no I think that that's perfect I, I think that you I mean today you've been a great inspiration for me and it's well, like I'm thank I'm, you you were great too well, you did some you were awesome I want you to know that well I mean it's like I didn't you know that right you your energy was fantastic well, actually, I, I was. Stop. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> no, Don't I mean, stop. Don't. No, it's like, it's like a, um, I sort of like feel as if this is my call to action moment in my life, where it's like I have to figure out, well, what do I want to do when I grow up, and and it's like, well, it's like I'm 41, and it's like I better figure it out quick, and it's like when I was like, there was just something about just getting up on stage, and there was a certain energy in doing it, and it's like, like the little voice is like I did. I mean, I I was serious. I was terrified. But it's like it's the most alive that I had felt in quite a long time. Do you feel that as well when you're doing work? Absolutely. Work? As I say, I feel like I'm getting paid to do what I used to get kicked out of school to do. I'm in pig heaven. I, I'm doing what I love, and that's all I know. And that's probably why I have such a good time. And it doesn't matter whether I make money or not. And that's another way to look at this is to treat it like a hobby. It's highly competitive. Uh, if you're brilliant, you'll get in. Because we're looking, the producers are always telling me we're looking for new, fresh voices but they have to be brilliant and the way to get brilliant is to work on your sense of visualization in an improv class you know really really get some uh, multiple characters in your back pocket so that you're armed when you go into an audition so that when somebody says hey can you do it like this can you do it jewish can you do it scottish can you do it with a speech impediment you've practiced all that and you're not you're not finding it in an audition you've worked it so do you like eric was saying the um you know he felt that that real surge of energy does that ever go away it, it never, never goes away. I'm always nervous. It, 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 you know, I have to work alongside that judge that says, oh, you suck. Or, oh, you know, it's telling me you can do this, you can do that better. You learn to live with that. And that's a muscle that just you just learn to, 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 to maintain alongside and, and work with as opposed to it'll never go away. And that is probably what gives you the thrill is that when you can conquer it and get over your nerves, it's like jumping off a cliff and on a hand glider and you, you survived. It's that thrill every time. You should feel like you're jumping off a cliff when you audition. It, it's, did you, didn't you? I felt as if um, 
Pretty scary, but you did it 100%. You had an out-of-body experience, and you weren't thinking. To be honest with you, it, it actually felt like asking um, for my wife's um, phone number for the first time when we, just, <laughs> when we just knew each other as strangers just working in the same place. I mean, it was exhilarating. Yeah. And it was like... Um, it's, it's a high. Like, it's like it's like now adrenaline is my favorite drug of choice. It's like now it's like I, I, I got to get another fix. There's something there's something about allowing the characters inside of us to give voice to them that is very it beats therapy and it's a lot cheaper than therapy. You know what? I really wish I knew that twelve thousand dollars ago. <laughs> I know. I hear you, and you get a lot more out of it. Um, you get a career out of it. Here's a question about the people who basically get into voice work or acting in general. Um, do we all have the same sort of personalities? Do we all have sort of like similar backgrounds? Well, as I was starting this by saying that a lot of times it's the mascot syndrome. It's people that maybe uh, they don't. What I love is that you don't have to. It doesn't matter what you look like. So the physical's out of the way. And I was an on-camera actor for many years, and I really got sick of worrying about every little wrinkle or every little muscle or whether my nose was too big or my hair should have been blonde or, you know, all those hang-ups. It was in L.A. And this freed me. This freed me from that. I could play a dog. I could play an old lady. I could play a witch. And that just was so um, stimulating and fulfilling for me as an actor. So I'm, I, I shouldn't say actor it could be fulfilling for anybody, but I happen to be an actor, so. Just real quick, um, could you also tell us uh, what what else roles did you take in in, in TV? What well, else did you do? Well, let's see. I could do a few for you. Uh, there's Mouse in Reboot Sugar. Did anybody know Reboot Sugar? And uh, let's see. How about one of the Care Bears? <laughs> My name's Share Bear, and I care. Or Nat on. Creepy. That was a little blind bug that always crashes into things. Or Miss Clavel. Miss Clavel on Madeline. I started to do, but let me get into her. Hello, Madeline. Little girls. Everyone now go to bed. Oh, Genevieve, have you got something to say? I love the fact when you were doing that, that your whole body was taking on the character, like you were saying in the class, and your, you know, like your foot went up, and it just, that just enhances the performance. See, I didn't even know that's what happened. It, it, I'm sh- I know, because I'm also a jazz singer, that's another fun thing, I, hobby that I do, and I don't take it seriously, and I don't take this seriously either. Uh, I don't make it a business, I don't get in my head about it, and uh, I know a lot of photographs I have from jazz singing and also from doing animation I look like a geek I think that's sort of like also a number one rule is you can't be afraid to look like a jerk that must be why Eric was so uh, good on stage thank you very much I'll be here all week <laughs> okay Doug you're fired <laughs> no I'm just kidding <laughs> well I want to thank you very much it's oh, been a pleasure thanks. and honor you've well, me in- too you've inspired me awesome. to actually put myself out there more and um, I, it I'll, beats therapy. It beats therapy, and I'll definitely keep in touch. Great. Thank you again. I appreciate it. Hi Thank to you. the fedoras. Thank you. Thank you. One of the things that Doug and I learned about Mrs. Valens after the interview was finished and the microphones were turned off is that she is also an accomplished jazz singer and she already has a few albums released, three of which you should check out by going to Amazon.com or her own website, StevieValance.com. Her first album, Practically Naked, is the source material of this week's bumper music. 
Look for a review of that album sometime sooner on our Made page. I'd also like to thank her once again for a great interview and look forward to talking to her again when she is back on the East Coast. Next time on the Fedora Chronicles radio show, we will be sharing with you an interview that we had with one of the owners of Retro Go Go. Then, after that, we'll have a few more shows to go before we wrap up our series on this year's New York Comic Con. So until next time, on behalf of Doug Palumbo and the Fedora Chronicles staff, this is Eric Renderking-Fisk reminding you to keep your chins up and your fedoras on. Oh, hey, one more thing I forgot to tell you guys. Um, we're actually on iTunes. You can actually uh, just go to iTunes, the iTunes shop, and do a quick search of the Fedora Chronicles, and uh, we're right there, so you can easily subscribe to us that way. And uh, one last thank you to all of uh, all of you out there who have really been supportive of this uh, this endeavor. I'm really glad that you guys are enjoying the weekly show. So, thanks again. Silver, I'm happy to be here. Oh, 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 oh